0: Peace be upon you. If you've ever been on a plane, you may recall the pre-flight safety announcements and their mention of cabin pressure. They typically state something along the lines that if we experience a sudden drop in cabin pressure, oxygen mass will fall down to supply you with oxygen. The reason this is required is that at higher altitudes, the air is thinner. So there's not enough oxygen for us to function. And this supplemental oxygen supplied through the mass keep people from passing out. This is because the Earth's gravity pulls air molecules closer to the surface at lower altitudes. So at higher altitudes, the air is thinner and therefore there's less oxygen. This is why it is more difficult to breathe at higher altitudes. Consider if you ever go for a hike, you might notice that the higher up you go, the more fatigued you feel the more shortness of breath you might have. This is because, obviously, we all need oxygen to function. When we breathe, our lungs take in oxygen from the air and deliver it to our blood. Our blood then carries the oxygen to all the cells in our body. The cells use oxygen to produce energy. And if you don't get enough oxygen, your body will not be able to function properly. This can lead to a condition known as hypoxia. This lack of oxygen causes shortness of breath and makes breathing difficult. And to compensate, the lungs work harder to try to extract the oxygen that it desperately needs. This only exacerbates the problem, causing even more fatigue and discomfort. The reason for bringing this up is that the Quran provides the following metaphor comparing those who choose God's guidance to those who choose to go astray. In Surah 6, verse 125, it reads Whomever God wills to guide, he renders his chest wide open to submission. And whomever he wills to send astray, he renders his chest intolerant and straitened, like one who climbs towards the sky. God thus places a curse upon those who refuse to believe. A person may read this and consider that it may seem unjust that God would guide one person, yet send another person astray. But this is only God's system that he created, much like the effects of altitude has on one's ability to breathe and operate. If a person chooses to go to higher altitudes, the breathing gets heavy. They can't blame God for designing the system this way. They obviously knew these are God's laws and they made the choice to go to higher altitudes. Similarly, we can't blame God if we choose to go astray and therefore suffer the outcomes. The decision about which outcome we experience is up to us and is determined by which path we select, either the path of belief or disbelief. God created a system that the ones who choose belief condition themselves to be able to withstand the metaphorical higher altitudes it requires to be closer to God. Consider that when a climber attempts to climb Mount Everest, they train rigorously. They don't just wake up one day, get off the couch, and say, hey, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest. No, they have to make it into a practice, something that they diligently practice for in order to God willing be able to achieve. God's system works in a similar manner the quran informs us that we are created weak and that we are designed to work hard to redeem ourselves and that with pain there is gain we read in surah 4 verse 20 it says god wishes to lighten your burden for the human being is created weak all of us we come into this world with sin and throughout our life we're accumulating more and more sin god is giving us a path to redemption He wants to unload the sin that's burdening our back and to allow us to be able to more seamlessly elevate our status, to get closer and closer to Him. In Surah 90, verse 4, it reads, We created the human being to work hard to redeem himself. This is our function in this world. We were put into this world in order to be redeemed, and this requires us to put in the work. In Surah 94, verse 1 through 8, it reads, Did we not cool your temper? And we unloaded your load of sins, one that burdened your back. We exalted you to an honorable position. With pain there is gain. Indeed, with pain there is gain. Whenever possible, you shall strive, seeking only your Lord. Now, the Quran does not specify who this surah is in reference to. Most people assume that it's in reference to a prophet. But let's consider how this could apply to Moses. Moses told God that he had a problem with his temper and we read in the very first verse it says did we not cool your temper then it says that he uh it says we unloaded your load of sins one that burdened your back and we know that Moses committed manslaughter he accidentally killed a person and he repented to God for that and God redeemed him then it after that Moses was exalted for the good efforts he's done. And it says, we exalted you to an honorable position. And it says, with pain, there is gain. Indeed, with pain, there is gain. And we see the pain that Moses had to go through in order to be able to conquer his Everest, that of going to Pharaoh and giving him the message, demanding that he let the children of Israel go. And we see that Moses did not just wake up one day and get tasked with this that he had a life of conditioning that he went through in order to prepare him for this Uh, one of the things we see is this clear example of moses and his teacher that when moses was out searching for a way to learn god's system that he was inspired to go and find this teacher and we read that during this encounter what the exchange took place. So this is Surah 18, verse 66 through 69. It says, Moses said to him, so he's talking to his teacher, says, can I follow you that you may teach me some of the knowledge and guidance bestowed upon you? He said, you cannot stand to be with me. How can you stand that which you do not comprehend? He said, you will find me God willing patient. I will not disobey any command you give me. So here is Moses looking for a teacher to learn God's ways. And how did that work out for Moses? So the teacher, he bore a hole in a ship. He killed a child. He patched the wall without charging a wave. And after each of these events, Moses was made uncomfortable and he objected. He could not stand that which he could not comprehend. But despite this, he persevered through all three events. Even though they had to eventually depart from one another, Moses took these lessons and applied them to his own life. Now there's some debate about when in Moses' life this encounter with the teacher took place. But I'm of the opinion that this was before he spoke to God and was commissioned to go to uh, Pharaoh. The reason I believe this is that when Moses' teacher patched the wall in the town of the inhospitable people, Moses' response can be seen in the following verse. So this is where 18 verse 77 says, So they went, when they reached a certain community, they asked the people for food, but they refused to host them. Soon they found a wall about to collapse, and he fixed it. He said, you could have demanded a wage for that. But when Moses fled Egypt after committing murder, we read about the following encounter he had with his future wife. In Surah 28, verse 22 through 25, it reads, As he traveled towards Midian, he said, May my Lord guide me in the right path. When he reached the Midian's waters, he found a crowd of people watering and noticed two women waiting on the side. He said, What is it that you need? They said, We are not able to water until the crowd disperses and our father is an old man. He watered for them. Then turned to the shade, saying, My lord, whatever provision you send to me, I am in dire need for it. Soon one of the two women approached him shyly and said, My father invites you to pay you for watering for us. When he met him and told him his story, he said, Have no fear, you have been saved from the oppressive people. Notice that when it came to the teacher, Moses wanted to demand a wage for their efforts. But in the scenario of the women, he did the favor without asking for a wage. He went out of his way to see what is it that they need. And then afterwards, he went and implored God, saying that he's in dire need of provisions. This shows that he reached a level of understanding that he did not have before. He could not only handle the discomfort, but acted appropriately despite the discomfort. Now let's revisit this comparison to someone who wants to climb. Uh, Mount Everest and the training they go through. In addition to this training, a person will also bring oxygen tanks to survive the reduced oxygen in higher altitudes. Additionally, they will find themselves a guide to help them along the way. The interesting thing about the Sherpa guides who help these climbers is that they do not require many of the aids the new climbers going up Everest require. This is because they spent their life on the mountain And don't require such things. The reason is that their bodies have been conditioned to operate in high altitudes. Their lungs can extract more oxygen more efficiently from the thinner atmosphere than people are not accustomed to such elevations. This isn't limited to the Sherpa guides who spent generations living at higher altitudes. Average people can condition themselves to be able to endure this as well with the proper training. They can increase their aerobic exercise. They can wear elevation training masks that reduce oxygen intake. They can spend time in altitude chambers that reduce oxygen in the room. These mechanisms reduce the amount of oxygen a person can get in each breath to condition their lungs to work more efficiently. The teacher, in the case of Moses, was acting as his guide, his Sherpa. And while Moses could not stand the events that were transpiring, For him, it was no problem. It was just a regular day. And each time Moses would slip, the teacher would give him a supplemental uh, take of oxygen to say, hey, I warned you, you cannot bear to be with me because you cannot stand that which you do not comprehend. And this gave Moses the patience in order to endure all three events. You know, note that after this endeavor, Moses was able to apply these lessons in his life like in the example we saw. You know, the goal is not to just be a tourist to go up Everest. The the goal is to be able to survive at these higher altitudes with as much ease as this teacher. And this is the only lesson that Moses learned. There's numerous. There's another one in the encounter he had first with God. When he was first called upon by God to carry on his mission and go to Pharaoh, he voiced his fear of carrying through with this mission. In Surah 26, verse 12 through 15, it says, He, Moses said, My Lord, I fear lest they disbelieve me. I may lose my temper, my tongue gets tied. Send for my brother Aaron. Also, they consider me a fugitive. I fear lest they kill me. And this is God's beautiful response in 26:15. No. <laughs> Go with my proofs. We will be with you listening. God didn't need to explain himself. God simply said, No, it's not the case, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> And now we contrast this. When the children of Israel were fleeing Pharaoh and his troops, their response to Moses is that they're going to be caught. And what did Moses respond with? In Surah 26, verse 60 through 62, it reads, They pursued them towards the east. When both parties saw each other, Moses' people said, We will be caught. Moses' response, No. (laughs) My Lord is with me. He will guide me. Right? Moses is taking this lesson he learned in the presence of God. And now he's applying it to his life. This is the trait of someone who has wisdom. Someone who has wisdom learns the lesson once and starts applying it immediately. And he realized this confidence that he, he saw through God. That when God says no, it's end the story. When God says that his mission will be fulfilled, he knows that this is an absolute certainty. So when he sees... Pharaoh and his troops chasing him and his people freaking out. His response is simply, no, this is not going to happen. And by God's leave, we know what happened. The sea parts, he and the children of Israel go on dry land, and Pharaoh and his troops are drowned. These show that we all start off not being able to stand the path of God. But if we are steadfast and persevere, we will not only endure, but we will thrive under these conditions that are intolerable, for those who haven't gone through the conditioning. And there's more lessons that I wanted to pull from this verse that we started from. And this is, again, in Surah 6, verse 125, it says, Whomever God wills to guide, he renders his chest wide open to submission, and whomever he wills to send astray, he renders his chest intolerant and straightened, like one who climbs towards the sky. God thus places a curse upon those who refuse to believe." In the same vein of the intolerance one feels in the presence of those who are elevated in their closeness to God, we have this awesome example. One of the most formidable birds in the sky is the eagle. Despite this, they are often harassed by other birds like crows, ravens, and magpies. These smaller birds will often mob eagles, dive-bombing them and trying to steal their food. Eagles will typically try to avoid these attacks by flying away or by fighting back. However, if the harassment persists, the eagles have another tactic. They fly to higher altitudes where the small birds cannot follow. So to combat this harassment, the eagle elevates itself to altitudes that the other birds cannot stand to be in. When a person's chest is wide open to submission, They can reach new heights in their closeness with God. And at these higher elevations, those who seek to bother them cannot bear to stand to be with them. This creates a barrier of protection for the believers. And within this protection, we are not only closer to God, but we are also admitted the peace that God provides. We read in the next verse, it says, This is the straight path to your Lord. We have explained the revelations for people who take heed. The word used for straight in this verse is a similar word to the word in the Fatiha, mustaqimah. Mustaqimah means straight, but it also has connotations of being upright. As in, this is our straight path, our upright path, our ascent to God. It continues in the next verse, verse 6, verse 127, it says, They have deserved the abode of peace at their Lord. He is their Lord and Master as a reward for their works. So we're seeing again, when God elevates us, the abode we get, the reward we get is peace. And it's interesting that the word peace, salam, and the word submission, Islam, uh, that both come from the same root. It is through submission that we find peace. And God is giving us a formula in these verses that if we elevate ourselves, that we become conditioned to be able to become closer to God, that this is going to give us peace in our heart. And what else is interesting is that from this root, you also get the word for ladder, that this is a ladder to the sky, that in order, we're able to find peace with God. If you look at Surah 52, verse 38, it reads, Do they climb a ladder, In the Arabic here is salamun, that enables them to listen, let their listeners show their proof. You know, the objective in this world is to get closer to God. And God is giving us the formula by which we can do that. In Surah 7, verse 176, it reads, Had we willed, we could have elevated him therewith. But he insisted on sticking to the ground and pursued his own opinions. Thus he is like the dog. Whether you pet him or scold him, he pants. Such is the example of people who reject our proofs. Narrate these narrations that they may reflect. It is by cutting our dependencies with anything in this world and making a connection with God that we find true contentment. And God creates the conditions in our life in order for us to be able to be elevated. But if we choose to go down the comfortable path, sticking to only our comfort zone, we will never grow in submission. In Surah 22, verse 15, it reads, If anyone thinks that God cannot support him in this life and in the hereafter, let him turn completely to his creator in heaven and sever his dependence on anyone else. He will then see that this plan eliminates anything that bothers him. So if we have any doubt that God can support us, can give us true contentment, can give us the peace that we desire, God is giving us, again, the formula. says, look, cut off your dependence to this world, this dunya, this ground, and make your connection, that up, with God in the heaven. And only then you will see that this plan it eliminates anything that bothers us, anything that gets us upset, anything that takes away our peace. The verse continues in Surah 6 verse 128, that if we do not elevate in righteousness, the downside of that is that we only attract the company of the unrighteous. It continues six one twenty eight says the day will come when he summons all of them and says O you jinns, you have claimed multitudes of humans. Their human companions will say, Our Lord, we enjoined each other's company until we wasted the lifespan you have had set for us. He will say, Hell is your destiny. They abide therein forever in accordance with God's will. Your Lord is wise omniscient. We thus match the wicked to be companions of each other as a punishment for their transgressions. So we see from these verses, That if we don't elevate ourselves, that the wicked are going to become our companions. Those who are insisting to this worldly life are the ones that are going to be attracted to us. That they're going to be whispering to us. That the only way we're going to be able to have protection from this is we have to elevate ourselves and get closer to God through the path of submission. This is not an easy path. But God tells us that if you choose the difficult path, that he will make it easy for you that it appears difficult only from the surface level. But if you take the hard path, the freeing of slaves, the feeding of the orphans, giving to charity during hard times, that these are the requirements in order for us to condition ourselves to be able to stand God's presence and become ever closer to Him. It continues in Surah 6, verse 130, it says, O you jinns and humans, did you not receive messengers from among you who narrated to you my revelations and warned you about the meeting of this day? They will say, we bear witness against ourselves. They were totally preoccupied with the worldly life, and they will bear witness against themselves that they were disbelievers. This is to show that your Lord never annihilates any community unjustly while its people are unaware. And this section ends by saying everyone will attain a rank commensurate with their deeds. Your Lord is never unaware of anything they do. We each choose the path we follow. God tailors each of our paths to optimize our results. But if we fail to recognize this and insist on sticking to our comfort zones and staying close to the ground and only being tied to the material possessions, then we will never be able to reach our full potential. And we'll have no one else to blame except ourselves. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments, questions, you want to get in touch, please join us on our Discord server. You'll find the invite link below. We have over 2,000 members from all over the world. We are having constant discussions, and it would be great if you'd be able to participate with us and join us on our journey so we can encourage one another. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Cron Study app. We recently just did an update to the app for Ramadan, so in, in inshallah, you'll enjoy that. And if you don't have an iOS device, you can also go to the CronCityApp.com website. And if you want more information, all this information is on our blog, CronTalk blog. And additionally, you can find additional information at ChronicLabs.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.